Thank you very much for downloading the Trap One podcast. I'm Mark and I'm delighted to be joined by Sophie Aldred and Barnaby Eaton-Jones. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Hello. Barnaby is the director and producer of Children of the Circus, an audio play sequel to the seventh Doctor story, The Greatest Show in the Galaxy, and Sophie is one of its stars. Children of the Circus. An AUK Studios production. Coming soon to an ear near you. It's just what the doctor ordered. Hi, Mum. Ella here, off on one of her crazy adventures again. Oh, boy, what's going on? Hold on tight. You know how you used to say that the universe was there to be explored and I should never be afraid to step out into it? The survivors of the circus must unite. You are a survivor of the circus? Speaking of, I'm about to travel to the past and fight some old gods with show tunes. So I'll probably be seeing you soon. Can't see for looking. I can't believe my eyes. I haven't slept for days. The psychic circus was once a wonderful thing, but it was corrupted, taken over. The darkness was waiting, already hungry, feeding on scraps, a shadow waiting on a sun. The gods, the gods of Ragnarok. And yet, somehow, I'm grinning. The circus is coming. I have no choice. This is the last stand before Saganax. They would have destroyed us. Huh? No, boy. You fool. Did you really think you could escape your fate? I'll do my best. We all did what we had to do. It's not like I enjoyed myself. The gods' influence over the circus have been getting stronger. You will go. We're talking about gods here, not the damn taxation guild. Bren, you trust me. Do I have a choice? Yes. That's the beauty of it. Children of the Circus. An AUK Studios production. Trust me, it will be ace. This is very exciting news, particularly for me. I started watching Doctor Who season 25, so Greatest Show is is one of my favourites. It's one of the, the first stories I ever saw and one that always really takes me back to that childhood excitement of tuning in every week. Sophie, what what your memories of making Great Show in the Galaxy? Oh, I've got loads of memories. Uh, the main thing I'm left with from Great Show in the Galaxy is the heat, um, because it was we were in the uh, well, we it was the first time we went to this wonderful quarry called Warmwell Quarry in Dorset, and um, actually. The, the, the very main memory is, I don't know whether you've ever seen, there's an amazing photograph of Sylvester in front of the tent, which is exploding behind him. And um, we had a bit of tent that was set up in this, in this China clay pit, which looked like a sort of desert landscape. Um, and the script had said, Stephen Wyatt's script said something like, a great wind blows out of the tent and blows... And the visual effects people had forgotten to bring the big fans to make the wind. So they said, oh, well, never mind. We'll do some explosions instead. And I was standing behind the camera watching. And they said to Sylvester, OK, so just walk forward when you hear action. We'll set off the explosion. And then obviously you've got to continue walking because there's only one shot at this. So. Everybody's, everybody gets ready, they set up the cameras, everything's in position, there's Sylvester, 
and the director shouts, action! Sylvester starts walking and there is the most almighty explosion. We could feel the wind of it and the heat from where we were standing behind the camera. And Sylvester said afterwards, he just knew he had to keep walking. He actually <laughs> thought that the whole of the back of his back might be on fire. <laughs> Such a great shot, though, isn't it? It's, it's a action movie shot. Is you see it in, in lots of clips as well, don't you? Because it looks looks so amazing. That he was so cool. And the funny thing is, of course, now you would never do that to an actor. You'd probably do it in CGI or you'd superimpose. But that actually was him in front of the explosion. And I was reading in your book, Ace: The Inside Story of the End of an Era. That, that you and Sylvester were eating sweet corn and custard when you were eating the fruit at the, the market stall. He didn't have to eat it. He didn't <laughs> have to eat it at all. It was 8.30 in the morning. We'd just started shooting. Um, I hadn't had any breakfast because I don't really eat breakfast. So Because I kind of, you know, that morning feeling where you're just waking up and you're feeling a bit like, anyway. And, uh, yes, Peggy Mount's fruit cons- on her stall consisted of a mixture of sweet corn and custard don't try it at home kids it made me think it's it's like fish fingers and custard but a few years earlier isn't it yes you see I was the first in so many ways I was the first (laughs) to wear a fez I was the first to shout Geronimo and I was the first to eat something unsuitable and custard And Barnaby, the psychic circus must have made a big impression on you to be creating a sequel 35 years later yeah, well, uh, I watched it at the time of broadcast, so um, it was uh, it was incredible. It was one of those one of those ones that just sticks in your head. It's, it sort of sparks imagination, and um, and uh, yeah, no, it's just, it was an incredible story. I just, it's one of those ones that you always come back to. I think there's if you're a Doctor Who fan and you you've got all your classics that you like, uh, that's definitely sort of up there because it's um it's one that I, I watch uh, quite regularly. Worryingly, um, and um, and I, it was one of the ones that I tried to get my daughters to watch as well when they were started to get into Doctor Who to say this is a really good and and scary one because I my sister is still traumatized by having to watch Doctor Who with me because she's a bit younger than me and um, she uh, remembers the transformation Jessica Martin as Mags when she trans uh, transforms into a werewolf. Mm-hmm. That's one of those like, images that's pinned into my sister's brain <laughs> so she's not, she's not very happy about that but, well, um, can you tell your sister that i saw her at the weekend and she's fine <laughs> well and she's got the same name as sophie strangely so he is another sophie so um oh, there you go <laughs> best name so the tv story opens with rico ross's rap was, was that part of the inspiration for making this sequel a musical <laughs> that's a uh, that's a good question because we actually did we got him to rap again in uh, in this uh, Children of the Circus. Um, no, uh, it was just it was it's a weird thing is that um, I'd been working with Stephen White on something else who wrote the Greatest Show in the Galaxy, um, and obviously I knew that Big Finish had done the Psychic Circus sort of prequel, um, and when I was also working on Christopher Gard's memoir who played Bowboy in the thing, and he'd done a lot of music and he kept sending me songs and saying. Oh, what, do you, what do you think of this? Because I, in 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 another life, I was a, mu- a musician as well. So, um, um, and then I suddenly thought, well, if we did a sequel to the Great Show in the Galaxy, it would it would have to be sort of 
bellboy and flower childs you know how they got together or or that type so i was thinking of a prequel as well and then suddenly um decided no actually it should be it should be a, a proper sequel and um and with lots of music and all the original cast um and the per- the, the company i work for said um yeah, that's that's going to cost a lot of money, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yes, yes, it will, um, and we should still do it. Um, but um, no, that's it was it was a weird combination of just yeah speaking to Christopher and Stephen at the same time, and and then sort of thinking, no, this this actually might work as a as an idea, and having and not being able to use the Doctor and Ace, obviously, um, it was sort of a no brainer to go. Well, we must. I must get Sophie and Sylvester to come in and be main roles that aren't the Doctor and Ace um and so I was very lucky that they both said yes so and I think Sylvester said yes because Sophie said yes so um so that's that's all good I told him to say yes (laughs) Yes. he said no loads of times until Sophie went no you have to say yes that's it (laughs) and Sophie do you sing in Children of the Circus I believe you're in the chorus of Fiddler on the Roof when you were cast as Ace or did that that all come back to you yeah, I, well, I am a singer, and I, I sing in a choir once a week at classical. I was, I'm classically trained, don't you know, at the Royal Northern College of Music. But um, I did sing a little bit, but uh, my characters uh, don't really, their voices don't lend themselves particularly to beautiful melody, shall we say. Isn't that right, Barnaby? Well, yeah, and I, I sort of feel bad because I know Sophie can sing, and so I, I did sort of think, oh, there must be, we must try and get her to sing properly in, in this. But then, like she says, she do, she does Captain Granny was a bit of a gruff sort of pirate captain of a spaceship, and then there's a, a little sentient being called AJ who's who's very squeaky and and computer like, and so yeah, like she says, it's they don't lend themselves to a, a massive solo song, sadly, but um. But if we, you know, if we if we were able to do a sequel to a sequel, then obviously we we make sure that Sophie sang all of it, and and we didn't sing anything, so it'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> An opera. <laughs> and how about Sylvester? We get a little bit of his singing in Happiness Patrol. Does uh, does he get to do any more in this one? No, he doesn't. I'm, you see, you're asking these questions, and I'm realizing what a failure I am because Sophie doesn't sing, and Sylvester doesn't sing. So um, <laughs> it's uh, terrible. You should you shouldn't buy it. It's it's awful. No, it's fine. Um, so, no, he doesn't. Sylvester but... was in um, Sylvester was in uh, the Pirates of Penzance with Bonnie before he did Doctor Who with her, um, and he was in the Mikado. He played the Mikado in the Mikado. He's done lots of, and he's done opera as well. He's done lots of singing. And, and he's playing a character called the High Poet. Uh, it sounds suitably mysterious. Can you tell us anything about him? Well, he doesn't. He doesn't do rhyming, but he, uh, as in, he doesn't do singing, but he does rhyming. So uh, it, most of his, most of his part is him trying to rhyme uh, whatever he's talking about because he's the High Poet of a of a planet. Who, um, yeah, so he's a very it's quite well we thought it would be a good part for Sylvester because obviously most of the time he gets the rhymes wrong or he, he doesn't um quite know where he is or what he's doing but um but yet he's again he's not a very good poet <laughs> that's basically it but he's but the character's got a bit of a Machiavellian side so which which we thought was you know quite a so although he comes across as a bit of a sort of um not not doddery but certainly um you know not quite knowing where he is he's sort of there is a bit of a bit of backstory to him, so um, which is quite exciting. But yeah, 
Now, I'm still I'm still now uh, apologising that Sophie and Sylvester didn't sing. I, I, I feel I feel I've let everybody down, but I'll have to do an extra track where it's just Sylvan and Sophie doing <laughs> doing a song together, doing some sort of patter. It'll be fine. <laughs> we forgive you. Let it go, as they say. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> So you have assembled an impressive number of the original cast um, for for this sequel. How easy was it to sort of track everyone down and, and get the band back together? Um, Bob, the great thing, and I'm sure Sophie will say this about the greatest shows, that it obviously was quite a memorable um, filming, um, and you know everybody seemed to get on very well. So the fact that you could mention it to people and they would instantly go, "Oh yeah, no, that's brilliant. I'd I'd love to come back." Is that was really nice because it wasn't. It wasn't difficult at all to get. Um, the only re- real difficulty was trying to find people that sort of had gone off the radar. Like Rico Ross was in America, was quite was quite big over there, so it was quite difficult to get in touch with him. And um, and uh, Jan San Marco, who obviously was a brilliant Adrian Mole and also the Whiz Kid, he retired about thirty five years ago from from acting completely and sort of left it behind, went off and did something else totally. So tracking him down was a real was a real sort of challenge, but. Um, and he was, you know, he's very kind. He he could have just said no, I, you know, I left that all behind. But um, he very kindly did his little cameo, and that was um, that was lovely. But um, yeah, it was nice to be able to reunite as many people as possible in the studio because we were all in the studio recording the main thing. So we did record other people separately, but it was really nice to get as many people as possible in the in the initial session. Fantastic. And, and Sophie, what was it like working with everyone again? Um, I know, in, in, again, in your book, you said that it was a lot of fun shooting the original story because a lot of the cast were around your age at the time. Yeah, it was just great to um, see Chris Gard and Ian Reddington. I mean, we have seen each other, some of us, at conventions over the years. That's the funny thing. We, we do meet up a lot. Jessica, probably more than anyone else, Sylvester and Jessica. Um, but the others I have seen, but it was just lovely to, to, to be together again. And, and Dee, actually, I've seen, I've seen quite a fair bit of her as well. But yeah, it's, it's always good to be together because as you say, it was a good team. It was fun. We had a lot of fun when we were shooting the original. And obviously some of the characters didn't, didn't make it out of Great Show in the Galaxy. So I'm very intrigued to see how um, how they appear in the sequel. Yeah. Well, technically, Bellboy and Flowerchild, the two leads, are dead at the end of the Great Show in the Galaxy. So the fact <laughs> that it's a sequel is um, that sort of presented a slight problem. Um, but um, it's, no, it's, it's parallel, parallel it's, universe. Yes. Yeah. It's all it's all very. Timey wimey, if we can use that copyrighted phrase by Stephen Moffat, but um, uh, I'm sure we can. I'm happy to use it. <laughs> yes, no, it's nice, but we didn't. I, I wanted to set off some explosions in the studio just to sort of mirror that filming sequence, but that wasn't allowed, so um, which was very annoying. But um, that was good. It was lovely. It was lovely to see, see everybody sort of interacting. That's that's always nice to get people in the studio together rather than try and record people remotely or separately. It's just really nice to to watch people bounce off each other. And we do, I think we were allowed to say we, did have, we didn't have Sylvester at the time when we were recording, so we did have to record him remotely. But um, I know a chap called Wink Taylor, who some Doctor Who fans will know because he's very good at doing uh, the Doctor's voice. So we had him stand in 
and B Sylvester's voice for the uh, just to just to throw everybody massively. Um, and so, and <laughs> um, and he did quite a good job. I thought it was. A, I think he convinced. It was very awesome. strange. Yeah. Because I was I was sitting next to him and and if I shut my eyes it was like oh my gosh and it's it is Sylvester <laughs> Sylvester's voice is notoriously hard to do, mm. uh, and um, even John Culshaw the the kind of the great impressionist of one of the great impressionists of our time he can't do Sylvester, mm-hmm. um, so Wink does him incredibly well. It was lovely to be able to sort of have him feel like he was there sort of thing like we said we could edit him in later but it's quite nice to have people there reading in and, and being able to be the characters you know whilst you're there with the sort of main cast so that's that was the reasoning behind it was and he's a massive Doctor Who fan so he's very obviously excited to come along and, and be a sort of backstage part of it. It's very good to have somebody who can act as well when they're reading in because often you have uh, uh, somebody who can't who's just sort of reading it in a bit of a monotone and it's much easier of course to for your own performance to act with somebody who actually is an actor so that was a really good idea and yeah well done wink well well done sophie because she had two parts and so so her her main roles were very linked they were all sort of in the in the ship together so she was literally jumping from voice to voice talking to herself and and without a break, which is a great thing. It was just, it was that like having two people, genuinely having two people there talking to each other. So if you didn't look at Sophie, it was, ah, oh, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, she was brilliant. So um, absolutely brilliant oh, at doing thank you. At doing I do that. love talking to myself though. So. <laughs> and speaking of reading in there, I understand, Sophie, you did some of that on The Power of the Doctor. I did. And the, the Guardians of the Edge. So um, were you reading for Geordie Whittaker's Doctor, I think? I read for all of them. I've played all the Doctors now. Well, um, yes, because I was doing my... I was I was asked to come read lines in for Sylvester for the bit in the, the cave, the lovely bit where he's a hologram and, uh, and, and I, we kind of come to some kind of completion about what happened. We, we don't quite know what did happen, but something that happened... And then he couldn't make it, or we couldn't uh, film him in the cave, partly because it's a cave with lots of rocks and he's, well, he's 80 now, but he it, it wouldn't have been very easy for him to scramble over these rocks. So he came and did his on green screen and um, I was asked to come and read in the lines for him. So I did that and it was amazing to see him in his costume in front of me on camera for the first time for a very long time. And then they said, right, Sophie, that's, uh, thank you very much. That's it. And I went back to the trailer and I, I saw Colin Baker getting into his robes, his amazing robes. And then I saw David Bradley getting into his and then Sylvester came. I thought, I can't leave now. <laughs> so um, I said to somebody, would it be okay if I stayed around for a bit? They said, yeah, of course. And so I was hanging around by the monitor and the director, Jamie, came over to me and said, um, oh, Sophie, would you mind reading in for the doctors? Because I think it would work really well. And I, and I, you know, yeah, well, I might have to think about that. I mean, it was just amazing. So I went over and stood with the doctors who weren't being filmed on the rock. They would, they kept, they just switched them in and out, and they had all the. So say it was Colin with Sylvester on the rock, 
and I was playing Paul and Peter and Jody. You know, so it was a huge mishmash. And then there was a bit where I sat on the rock, and Jody was. Uh, I was reading in for her to react to, because um, it was up quite on quite a high platform. And uh, it was much easier for me to bound up there and do that than Colin and Sylvester to keep going up and down this platform. So I had a fantastic day. It was like the best Doctor Who convention ever. <laughs> As I enjoyed your 13th Doctor voice in the audio book of, um, at Childhood's End. So did you, uh, did you do any uh, Doctor impressions and accents? Well, we were in the t- in the scene in the TARDIS and we were waiting while people were sort of setting up shots. And uh, we were all standing around, you know, um, Graham and Jodie and Janet and, well, all of us, Mandip and Gemma. And Gemma said to me, so, Sophie, what, what else do you do? Forgive me, she said, but what you, you do voice stuff, don't you? And I said, oh, yes, I do a lot of animation and things like Dennis Nasher and Trifu Tom. And Jodie suddenly turned and she said, Trifu Tom, you're Trifu Tom. And I said, yeah, I I did the voice of Trifu Tom. She said, oh, oh, she said, my daughter loves Trifu Tom. Oh, so I said to her, Trifu, go. And she was just completely (laughs) overwhelmed. But then, of course, what I didn't say was that I've actually done you as well. Because I was too, I was far too embarrassed to do her in front of her. That was very good. You did her then, which was brilliant. So. Oh yeah! Oh gosh! Was, I hope she's not was... listening. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've recently been back on our screens as Ace in the brilliant Tales of the Tardis, introducing one of my all-time favourite stories, The Curse of Fenric. This seems like a fantastic way of introducing younger viewers who saw you and Sylvester in the epic Power of the Doctor to the classic series. Where, what was it like playing Ace again in a more sort of reflective piece than than Power of the Doctor? Oh, I loved it. It was just a thrill. When we walked into that lovely set, it's quite a small set, that little memory TARDIS, and it's packed with memories, obviously. So I, I spent a lot of time just looking around going, oh, what's that? Oh, wow, TARDIS keys, you know. And then, uh, and then I saw this this card and I went over it was Bill Potts's student union card you know just the attention to detail was just absolutely amazing and of course a kite from Greater Show in the Galaxy um which was which was great because I'd sort of forgotten what it looked like um it was just a joy to go back and do that Uh, and the all the car all the crew were um Doctor Who fans so the chess set, for example, I was going, I wonder if, I wonder how it should be set up. And this guy just came up and he said, well, you had this in this scene of, uh, of curse. So what you need to do, Sylvester, is you need to move that there and knock that over. Cause that's what you did. You know, it was like amazing. And then, uh, and then Scott, who's the producer, he said, Oh, can we do something with the hat? You know, so look, he can do the mine, I believe line from survival. So we put that in and then um, we had, oh yes. And then when we did the bit, um, I'm sort of standing looking out of the TARDIS door. I thought we'd do it all sitting down, but the director said, no, we want to emulate the bit in Ghostlight where Sylvester's over your shoulder and you're looking forward and you're doing that monologue. And so, you know, we want to copy that 
that scene there. So, I mean, it was just such a, a, a wonderful thing for the fans. But also, as you say, there are a lot of people who know Ace from The Power of the Doctor and who now have... I've met a lot of young, especially young women now, who are Ace fans from Power of the Doctor and then suddenly realise that there's this, oh, a whole back catalogue of uh, of Ace and Doctor Seven stories to look at. That's fantastic. And they're all on the iPlayer now, which just gives so much accessibility. It's uh, It's brilliant, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful? The other day, somebody was interviewing, uh, wanted to know which were my favourite uh, stories of all time. And I could vaguely remember the green death with the maggots on the hillside. And so uh, I thought, gosh, yeah, but wasn't that Joe Grant's last story? And I thought, oh, I can look it up. So it was about <laughs> 10 o'clock in the morning. I looked on iPlayer and I watched that final scene between Joe Grant and John Pertwee's Doctor. And there I was crying. I, it was, it's so beautifully played. You know, he gulps down his champagne and and you kind of almost know what he's thinking, but he, uh, and then he walks out and he gets into Bessie and you see this doctor, the kind of loneliness of the doctor who gets very, very close to the companions and then they leave or they die in some cases or they grow old and, you know, and so it, it was just superb acting by John Pertwee. And you can do that now, you know, you can just go and watch anything, anytime. It's wonderful. Have you been delving into that, Barnaby, into the uh, the new iPlayer archive? Well, it's exciting because the iPlayer was the reason my daughters got into Doctor Who, obviously before they released everything on, because I, I tried not to force my hobbies onto onto my daughters but um so they didn't really grow up so yeah so i think they'd watched it when they were very small just because so, i wanted to see what whether they liked it or not and then and then independently they just were watching stuff on ipad and, and and they both got into doctor who and then got into it in a really big way so they were coming down and telling me stuff that I know that obviously I had to say, oh, that's a, is it really? That's amazing. Oh. Uh, they regenerate. How brilliant. <laughs> oh. so it was, it's, isn't it osmosis though, Barnaby? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we, it's that weird uh, thing of having little TARDISes dotted about the house as well, that uh, at some point <laughs> it's like subliminal advertising. <laughs> Doctor Who, um, <laughs> um, no, and they, and they are, you know, they they both got dressed up and they were very, you know, excited to, and they're obviously very excited about the new series as well and the and the special. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's lovely. It's a really and to have now to have that complete access to literally everything is is astonishing, isn't it? So they can they can pick and choose what they want to watch, which is yeah, it's just it's an amazing thing to happen, and I can't imagine. The man hours that went into it, and the huge amount of work to get all of that sort of up there and 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 signed as well, which is a great thing. The fact that they're all they're all signed, so that you know, and audio can... described. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's wonderful. There was I, I met um, uh, a visually impaired guy at the weekend, and uh, and he was saying, yeah, he for the first time he can just dip into anything and hmm. and you know have it described for him, and it's just yeah. opened a whole new world for him. Um, and and I'm sure you've been told this, Sophie, but you know that Ace was a clue on Only Connect. 
two or three weeks ago. Can't get away from the blooming character. <laughs> but yeah, just I think a wonderful sign of how much Doctor Who and Ace is, is, is part of the popular culture, isn't it? It's... Um... I think there was a, a lot of fans as soon as uh, as soon as the name came up as the first clue were sort of uh, jumping up off the sofa. I know I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just um, it's a little bit overwhelming at the moment, actually, because uh, the sort of the love, the outpouring of love for for Ace and for all of the characters and for Doctor Who in general has just been incredible and. I've suddenly realised all over again that I am part of this worldwide, never-ending, timeless phenomena. It's wonderful. Fantastic. And anything else you'd like to tell listeners about Children of the Circus? Uh, Just buy it, please. (laughs) You'll love it. You'll love it. I think it's such an original idea, Barnaby to to make a kind of like a musical of a of of a doctor who related product um and it's for the bits i've heard are such high production values and high quality those are that's the bits you've heard we've kept the other stuff away from sophie which is not so good but um, <laughs> no it's it's a whosical we should call it shouldn't we but um it's uh, a yes <laughs> But it's, the, the nicest thing is to explore those characters, or to be allowed to explore the characters of sort of, uh, that came out of Stephen Wyatt's imagination um, and then have these extra brilliant characters that Sophie and Sylvester uh, inhabit uh, from. I mean, that's Kenton Hall who wrote it. That's, you know, he's, he's sort of created this sort of, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a sort of, it's not complicated, but you sort of, you have to follow, follow it because it, it does jump jump back and forward and stuff but it's um yeah and i hope people will be excited that you know even if it's they're only small cameos obviously the original cast are back doing every uh, role that you know every surviving cast member is back so um which is which is really nice so and and shows how how much the story is held in such high esteem that people want to come back and do these little bits or, or do or do larger bits which is um which is rather cool Absolutely. I think, as you say, that the characters are so well drawn in the great show in the galaxy in terms of, you know, how you believe that they've all got this shared history at the circus um, that you started off, you know, very idealistic and then obviously got corrupted by the gods of Ragnarok. But it, it's a story that ends on such a note of hope that you do want to see what happens next. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's great like this. Um, so you should say it's released on the 14th of December, which is the 35th anniversary of the broadcast of part one of Greatest Show. And it's available to pre-order on limited edition CD now from AUK Direct. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to that. Uh, What else is coming up from AUK that our listeners might be interested in? Um, Yes, there there is stuff coming out. Um, In Children of the Circus, we uh, we had Toya Wilcox, the 1980s, singer iconic singer and actress and she came in to do a, a great role in children's circus called the uh the the band of infinite harmony so it's like four people speaking at once but she is the the lead person and so um and i'm working with her again at the end of the month because we're doing a second series of something called supermind which is a sort of um parody of those american melodramatic 1930s you know batman and the shadow and stuff like that so um 
so she's she was uh, in that the original series um and so we're doing yeah so supermind 2 the mind's eye is is a a silly parody it's a, it's just a big silly comedy um and so we're we're doing that we're recording that at the end of the month and then um yeah so that's quite that's quite fun um but yeah there's loads of stuff i can't speak about obviously but um but hopefully at some point i will <laughs> that makes no sense whatsoever <laughs> i'm really glad you mentioned Toya because i wasn't sure whether we were allowed to mention her but for me it was absolutely thrilling to meet her and to work with her and as well as being a, a brilliant actress of course I'd loved her in um, Derek Jarman's The Tempest. It was really lovely mm. to have a chance to to talk to her about that. Um, and she's done such amazing projects over the years and still working away. But she's also a really, really lovely person. And it was just great to meet her. And she's a big Doctor Who fan, isn't she? She's in 30 Years in the TARDIS. So was that, yeah. that quite an easy sell for her to, to come aboard this? <laughs> Yeah, she well because she'd done the first series of Supermind, she was said that you know if you want me to work on anything else, I had really good fun, and so I thought, well, this is it's silly not to ask her for this, being as she is a Doctor Who fan, and she um yeah she did jump at it and and said that you know science fiction fans are gonna love it. I mean, it's the weirdest thing is obviously you're sort of selling to Doctor Who fans because you sort of, you have to have that knowledge really to to listen to the sequel. So um so I'm hoping that you know everybody will buy it and enjoy it that's the main thing although if you're not a Doctor Who fan you could watch The Greatest Show in the Galaxy on iPlayer and yeah. then listen to the <laughs> yes exactly the audio <laughs> <laughs> I need you on the PR trail uh, for, you forever, see so. you see <laughs> and finally we're heading into the week of the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who do each of you have any plans for, for celebrating that or for, for watching the specials well, I've already seen the first special. Mm. I'm very, very lucky. And I can wow. say about it that you will not be disappointed. Um, and on the 23rd itself, the actual birthday, I will actually be attending my eldest son's master's graduation in Edinburgh. Oh. So I'm afraid that takes precedence. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Class, that's brilliant. It's it's actually my 50th birthday on the 24th of November. So um so I Oh, birthday eve. Yeah, so I should be combining <laughs> combining my 50th birthday with watching the special as it goes out. But um yeah, no but it's amazing, isn't it? It's it's astonishing that that it's all coming back in such a big way. Um it's just and sort of yeah, I I'm very excited about it. So I'm not excited about turning 50, but I'm excited about uh, <laughs> watching the specials which is good well at least you were minus 10 when it first started <laughs> yeah that's true yes yeah well you you're even younger than me sophie so that's just that's uh you know oh well thank you yes <laughs> let's uh sweep over that quickly <laughs> <laughs> well thank you very much both for joining me and being so Thank generous you. with your time. Pleasure. Uh, we're going to leave you with a, an exclusive clip from Children of the Circus. Um, if you'd like to introduce this, Barnaby. Yes, it's just a, it's an edited version of a scene um, where you sort of get to meet the characters in the in the spaceship at the at the start. So uh, it's not it's not the full scene because it would take too long, and you obviously you can buy the CD for that. But it is a, a nicely uh, edited version of so you get to hear people's voices and and. 
and who they are. Care to introduce us to your new friends? Old friends in some cases. This is the band of Infinite Harmony. Oh, fantastic. I so hoped I'd have an opportunity to meet you. Your file was so interesting. Welcome aboard. You are most kind. And this is Ella. AJ, I don't suppose you want to fill us in on why she's here? No idea. She was invited. Not by me. Nor me. That seems unlikely. Yes, yes, it does. Excuse me, at the risk of seeming terribly rude, who are you talking to? Oh, my apologies. This is Captain Gren, owner and operator of the good ship Vanguard. Captain, nice place you've got here, etc. But I think you know who I'm asking about. Ah, AJ. If you say so. AJ is the ship's navigator. That's a gross simplification. AJ, I don't know quite how to put this, but are you invisible? No. Anyone want to chip in and rescue me here? We may have the solution. AJ is not the ship's computer. We do not have the solution. Ella, ignore them. Look at the panel directly below the gyro controls. You should see a small patch of rust. Yeah. Hello. You've lost me. That's me. The patch of rust. Sentient rust. A tiny little egg up in the temporal shielding. I'm going to need to have a little lie down. Actually, Ella, I think you and I should take a little walk. There's something you should probably see. You have an interesting definition of walk. Not that I'm complaining. It's nice to find a planet where I'm old enough to get served. That's... Shh! Just watch. Hi, poet. We're honoured. Keep your voice down. Don't cast my name about the town. Wonderful. Just wonderful. Yes, 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 yes. Enough of that. Uh, my guests? Oh, they're waiting for you. In the usual room. Then let your best ales fill thy cups. Each silent soul will this night sup. It's quite good, actually. <laughs> I must be feeling inspired. What was all that about? Who's he meeting? I think we both know. Should we stop him? We will, but not here, not now. I just wanted you to understand that the gods are not the only obstacles in our way. They never are. 